bell now, fellas. We've got to answer the bell. Now let's go. Justin, so just letting you know. But welcome to Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yao, he's Bruce Patton, and we are glad to be here on what will be a fantastic Thursday edition as we are dipping back into prep sports on Prep Thursday. And Mo, we've got a great show lined up. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, in the next segment, we're set to speak with. Victorious Columbia Central football coach Kadarius Golf. Um, and also hand out some hardware that we've neglected to hand out last week. Yeah, we neglected to hand out last week or prepare for this week, apparently, well, unless you've got something in your in, in, in mind. So. Well, if you would read oh. the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> typically, that goes in bold in the past. So that's my bad. Uh, I'm just glad it's there, period. Yes. At any rate, we've got some other high school topics that we're going to want to touch on as well over the course of the show. Um, in addition to that, we're going to be visiting with Grant McCauley of 92.9 The Game out of Atlanta because there's, there's a little bit of a intriguing series that starts tonight in Los Angeles between the host Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves. So we're going to get some some insight from Graham McCauley on that. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about Darius Vines and his performance last night as well. And our long national nightmare is over. College football, which kind of started Saturday, officially starts tonight, I guess. It's a Big time, anyway. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the biggest week of the year. We start tonight. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this one. One, two. Is there a game Monday? Uh, LSU, four State. So Thursday, Friday. They won't play on Thursday. Is there anything on Sunday? Yes, I think there is, actually. So you're talking about five days of college football. Yeah, I mean. Goodness. It's going to be a, a weekend full. Of college football, and I'm looking. I mean, very much. I mean, I get anything done this week. My biggest issue with this weekend is so. uh, Oh, I'm sorry. LSU Florida State is on Sunday. Clemson Duke is on Monday. That's a little anticlimactic. Yeah, I probably would swap Clemson and Duke. For LSU Florida State, but it is what it is. Uh, David Tuckcliffe ain't walking through the door. No, Duke was 9 3 last year. 
West 9 and Drury. Was that Elko's first year? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, they were pretty good last year. Good, good for them. So, I mean, they, you know, they didn't beat anybody of, I'm sorry, they were not nine, they were nine and four. Down to the over UCF and Volcan. Oh, so they were eight and four. Eight and four going into the UCF. But yeah, nine and four. But they were not Volcan. For Duke? Yeah. I mean, just, no, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, don't take that. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I guarantee you nobody in Durham is complaining about nine and four. No. I mean, what, though, last year, and, and this is completely off the rails. Mm -hmm. So let's just go for it. Yeah. Uh, last, last year's schedule would have been a great basketball schedule. Kansas, Virginia, North Carolina. I mean, Pitt. Pitt it would have been a great basketball schedule. So, anyway. Oh, man. Matter of fact, they lost all three of those games. Well, you remember Kansas got off to that. Before their quarterback guy. Perfect. That, that fantastic start, yes. Uh, anyway, we do have a good show. We'll get into some college football a little bit later. Looking forward to it. Got a couple of big announcements, or not announcements, one crazy announcement that we're going to, to get into uniform watch, but also Florida's chances just shot up. <laughs> so we'll see uh, how Cam Rising's absence will affect Utah tonight. We're going to pick some games at the end of the show. We are going to pick some high school games at the end of the show. We may pick some college games during that college segment just for the fun of it. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be a great show. We're going to get you yesterday's results and today's schedule on The Rundown. This is The Rundown. In Wednesday's volleyball action, it was Riverdale defeating Stewart's Creek 3-1. Soccer. On the girls' side, Rossview defeated West Creek 3-1. Not a good day to be a Creek. Apparently. <laughs> it was off the drive there yesterday. <laughs> <was the> <laughs> Major League Baseball action on Wednesday. The Braves defeated the Marlins 3-0. It was Houston 7, Boston 4. Cincinnati with a 4-1 win over San Francisco. The Cubs edged the Brewers 3-2. It was St. Louis 5, San Diego 4. And... As we mentioned, Darius Vines getting a quality start as the Atlanta Braves defeat the Colorado Rockies 7-3, completing a three-game sweep at Coors Field and giving Vines his first major league victory. Soccer action down on South Beach, the Nashville Soccer Club. No one ever scores in soccer. <laughs> I've never heard that. Awesome. <laughs> Nashville Soccer Club and Inter-Miami FC played to a Scoreless draw. I, I, I think that came from Family Guy. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> or maybe it, it could have also been South Park. Justin, do you know? <laughs> Justin would know. I think Justin probably would know. What the no one ever scores in soccer? Is that from South Park or Family Guy? Oh, I'm not sure. I think it's I think it's Family Guy. There you go. Football action tonight. If you are so inclined to get to a high school game, some folks in this room are. Antioch is at Cane Ridge to take on the Ravens. All these games at 7 o'clock, by the way. Ezo Hardy will be at Glencliff as the Colts try to extend their winning ways. It's exciting. Yeah. Stratford's at James Lawson. Make sure you get out. That'll be a good one. 
East Nashville will be at Overton, but don't sit on the home side. We'll tell you about that later. Spring Hills at Maplewood and Nolensville is at the Gap. You can't sit on the home side. Oh, you can, just not on the bleachers. They told them that they said bring your lawn Volleyball action at 5 o'clock time. Christian is at Franklin Classical. Also at time, Green Hill is at Gallatin, Mount Pleasant, Coast Hampshire. Warren County takes on visiting Lebanon at 5.30. Davidson Academy is at East Hill Harding. Nashville Christian goes to Friendship Christian. James Lawson is at Hollywood Lane. And Columbia Academy travels to Mill Tennessee Christian at 6. Riverdale is at Blackman. Creekwood hosting Harpeth. Fayetteville is at Cullioka. Moore County goes to Eagle. Laverne hosting Smyrna. Not sure. Loretto goes to Lewis County. Marshall County is at Murfreesboro Central. Opens at Rockville. Collinwood's at Summertown. Brookwood is at Summit. Those are all six o'clock starts at 6.30. Columbia Central goes to Franklin County. Lincoln County is at Barnes County. Stewart's Creek hosting football. And Spring Hill travels to Tullamore. In girls' soccer action, John Overton is at home against Hume Fogg at 4.30. Brentwood Academy goes to CPA at 5. Also at 5 is Davidson Academy hosting Clarksport Academy. Mount Juliet Christian is at East Harding Good Pasture. Welcomes Donaldson Christian while St. Cecilia goes to Grace Franklin. Kenwood at home against Hunters Lane in Loversboro Central Magnet. Welcomes Franklin County while Nashville Christian plays host to Friendship Christian. Columbia Academy is at Providence Christian while Siegel goes to Riverdale. James Lawson will take on STEM Academy on the road. And at 5.30, Pope Preps at Innsworth. Lebanon hosting Blackman. Summit goes to Battleground Academy at 6 o'clock. Also at 6 is Kirkwood at Cheatham County. Sigmore Creekwood. Lawrence County hosting Richmond. White House here is at Liberty Creek. Martin Luther King welcomes the Middle Tennessee Golden Eagles. Springfield goes to McGavick. And Middle Tennessee Christian hosts Canyon County. Lee Academy is at Tullahoma. Ballard Collegiate welcomes Green Hill. And Loretto is at Zion Christian at 6.30 tonight. Stone Memorial will be at Watertown. Spring Hill goes to Coffee County. East Dayton goes to Harvard. And Lipscomb Academy hosts Harvard Hall. Rockville will be at home against Oakland. At 7, Laverne is at Antioch Beach host Page. I guess that's at 7. A lot of Page to get across town. Um, also at 7, Franklin Road Academy is at Boyd Academy. Goodness. Dixon County goes to Clarksville Northwest. Franklin hosting Father Ryan. Livingston Academy is at Merrill High. Fairview travels to Montgomery Central. Brookwood is at Mount Juliet. Stewart's Creek hosts Warren County. Centennial goes to White House. Wilson Central hosting Smyrna. Rossview is at Hillsboro. That game is at 7.30. In Major League Baseball at 6.05 tonight, Miami is at Washington at 8. 40, San Francisco is at San Diego, and at 9-10, the Atlanta Braves open a four-game series against the host Los Angeles Dodgers. Minor League Baseball at 4-30 today, the first game of a doubleheader between the Nashville Sounds and host Durham starts. There will be two seven-inning games there. College football action tonight. Kent State is at UCF. It's a 6 o'clock kick on FS1 at 6.30 on CBS Sports Network. UConn welcomes the Wolfpack of North Carolina State. UAB and Trent Dilfer's debut at 7 o'clock tonight on ESPN Plus will be the host Blazers and North Carolina A&T. Nebraska is at Minnesota at 7 o'clock on Fox, on 7 o'clock on SEC Network. Missouri welcomes South Dakota, and on ESPN at 7 p.m., it's Florida 
at Utah. Florida. WNBA. Phoenix is at Connecticut at 6 o'clock on Prime and completing that doubleheader on Prime. At 9 o'clock, the Las Vegas Aces welcome the Washington Mystics, trying to get some revenge and stop that losing streak in its place. Then the Seattle Stormer at the LA Sparks also at 9 p.m. tonight. And that, folks, is your link. Time Stories brought to you by our friends at Piglet Wiggles. Make sure to go see the folks in Neely's Mill Shopping Center here in Columbia. If you are looking for great meat vegetables on the fresh daily, you can get a meat and two for a very low, low price. And you can also get hand-cut meats that are fresh each and every day. And of course, the produce is always fresh. So make sure you go see the fine folks at Piglet Wiggly and Neely's Mill Shopping Center to get any of your grocery needs. Top story today, Nebraska Volleyball set a world record last night for attendance in a women's sporting event with 92,000 and three fans. And three, those three were important. 92,000 and three. Again, I, I hate it when we're told that something sets a record and we don't know what the previous record was. But Are you talking about the world record for attendance at a women's sporting event? Okay, so was. The, the, atten the previous attendance was 91,648 at which was Barcelona, Spain between FC Barcelona and Wolfsburg for a Champions League match. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize there was a women's championship league. The previous record for a women's sporting event was the Women's World Cup final between USA and China in 1999 at the Rose Bowl, 90,185, which was, of course, wait a minute, women's stuff. Yes. What was the 91,000 event? World record. But there was also that the USA record. Just so, but that was a women's soccer game. Yes. Okay. All right. This women's world, the women's record in the United States was also a women's soccer game. It was the infamous Brandy Chastain. Mm. Okay. PK. All right. So this is a world record. It's a U.S. record. It's 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 a record. It's a record. The record. You got to be on it. You know, that's pretty amazing. And, and I mean, if you've had a chance to see any of the clips of Nebraska's walkout in a match and, and the, the sea of red in the, in the seats, and it's, it's, it's really pretty cool. Here's what I want to do. Here's something that's important to point out. Mm -hmm. Now, Nebraska already owns some records, and it's their selling record. They've sold out 306 consecutive volleyball matches. In indoors, I guess. Right. 305 indoors. This one counts. Yeah. What if the streak had ended because they sold 92,001 tickets? That was a gamble. <laughs> the streak could have stopped. With more than 90,000 fans 
big facility. Hell out. That was a gamble. The lot is a gamble. Game we all play. Hey guys, Mason, the old man. They also, of course, have sold out 399 consecutive football games. But yeah, this is the volleyball record, by the way, was 18,755. Well, then, this is more, isn't it? <laughs> well, the good thing is they didn't take the record away from anyone. Because the record holder was the Nebraska. <laughs> so. What they did do, do, though, is they put the record where nobody else is going to touch. It's going to be hard. I mean, t Tennessee would have, this, to, yeah. would, would have to do, or Michigan, something like that. But I don't see Tennessee volleyball feeling feeling for Other than Tennessee fans just wanting to be like, anything you can do, I can do that. But there, there is enough of that that, that makes it. Oh yeah, this this is gonna start some stuff. But the, you know, you gotta be careful because when you play on hardwood outdoors in the south, almost impossible. Because if you the floor gets wet, you can't move, you can't slide. Oh, and that would be awful to well, do something like that and wind up getting somebody hurt. I want to say it was two weeks ago. There was a basketball tournament in Atlanta held outdoors on hardwood. And it was bad. Mm -hmm. So you probably would have to do it in a. I don't even know that it can be done in the South. That could be. I hadn't really thought about that. That makes sense. So, anyway, thought that was interesting, but also loved it. <laughs> thought it was a really cool uh, situation and uh, looking forward to. Um, looking forward to seeing if anyone else tries to. to I guess replicated. I know Iowa was playing volleyball outdoors, but I don't think they had anywhere near 92,000 seats in Kinnick Stadium. So, I don't think so. I just, I do feel like it's, it's really cool. Let me, let me see if I can come up with that. Because Iowa volleyball, like I said, I know they were playing on the, the outdoor, but I don't think that that's, I know it's been announced, so I just don't know if there's anything really important about it other than. <laughs> You know, it's, it's just, they're just doing it. Um, do we know? Uh, I guess there's not much, nothing yet. Okay. I was going to say, I was also playing you know, Tennessee State in the line this weekend. That's right. tomorrow. So, and it won't be outside. No, it's not outside. All right. Well, that's our top story for the day. We do have plenty of uh, stuff to get to a little bit later, but when we get back, we're going to welcome Intramurious Golf from Columbia Central High School and hand out some hardware. So, stick around. Main Street Sports Edition presented by Tennessee Bond and Joint. We'll be back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net.
Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. You can't see the sights without the sounds. From the crack of the bat to the roar of the crowd and everything in between, discover what Hit City has to offer. Spend your nights cheering on the Nashville sounds at First Horizon Park with giveaways, fireworks shows, theme weekends, and more. Single game tickets are on sale now. Visit NashvilleSounds.com to claim your seat today. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Christy Out and Mo Patton here with you on this Prep Thursday edition as the first hour is pretty much all preps from the start. Then we talk a little breaks and we go right back in preps. <laughs> it's it's going to be a, a lot of high school sports. And we'll start in this segment by handing out a little high school hardware. No, we have the Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Athlete of the Week. And it's awfully familiar for a number of reasons because in week two last year, sophomore running back Monte Baldwin was our MTBJ player of the week. And in week two this year, Columbia Academy Junior running back Monte Baldwin is our MTBJ player of the week. Went for 256 rushing yards and five touchdowns over at Webb in a 48-13 win last Thursday night. So congratulations to him. Half, almost halfway to a thousand yards. He, he told me that he he said, I ain't gonna tell you how much I'm gonna get, but it's gonna be a lot. <laughs> so well, thus far he did not lie. Yeah, he, he is about to not lying. Uh, speaking of running backs going for a lot, Kate McCoy went for a lot on a Friday over to Dixon County and it's because of him that the Custom Stone Handlers Team of the Week 
is being handed out to Columbia Central football. Obviously, the defense had a heck of a night as well, but Caden McCoy and one 40-yard pass catch from Case and Tice to Jordan Davis. Oh, oh, and by the way, they made two field goals, which turned out to be the difference. The difference, yeah. Luis Garcia with the tough. Field goals were big in week two. Yeah. Luis don't call me Jerry. So, <laughs> yeah, great, great effort from Luis Garcia, by the way, to, to, to make those, those field goals. And I know head coach Tredarius Gall is happy to have him on his side. So, let's ask him. <laughs> yeah, we can find that right now. As he joins us on Coach's Corner, presented by Front Bar Cafe out of Chapel Hill. Tredarius Goff, and after his first win as a head coach in high school football. Yeah, he's, he, he looks a little drier now than he was after the game Friday yeah. night, I guess. Yeah, Coach, uh, I, we're glad that you, uh-oh, we don't have volume on Coach. All right, can you hear us? Uh, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. And he's not muted on our end, so I don't know what that means. Mm. Uh, they have to do some. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do some work here, but um, yeah, it was it was a big night for them. I was able to get over to uh, Dixon County Stadium, as they they don't have a name. It doesn't have names. Or the field was just Dixon County Football Stadium, and so. But it, you know, it was a really it was really a game. Obviously, Dixon County had some confidence coming in after beating Creekwood, mm-hmm. Columbia Central sort of confused. Still kind of finding and, their way, I guess, after that loss, after that sixteen nothing loss. Right. I don't think they I don't think they were very I felt like Columbia Central was a little shell shocked by we had score. Right. Yeah, I, I think that was a big thing for them. I, I think they felt like offensively we had score, like you said. Yeah, it didn't make any sense mm-hmm. to us. To them, certainly not to coach it off. And so, you know, being able to get in there, not only score some points, but get a couple of field goals when you weren't able to punch it into the end zone. That's that is a that's a weapon. Um, nice defense, special teams. Yeah, no question. So again, coach's corner presented by From the Heart Cafe on Chapel Hill. Renee Hart and the fine folks out there keeping you fed, keeping you happy. They always do a great job if you're heading out to Henry Gordon State Park or, or to Chapel Hill in general. Make sure to stop by and see Renee and the fine folks at From the Heart Cafe in Chapel Hill. We have Coach Goff back in. Let's see if we can hear him. Coach? Still struggling to hear. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you a call. So yeah. just, just we're going to give you a phone call. Coach, we will, we will call you. We will bring you in via audio, perfectly fine, and we will make sure to get that one. So just be on the lookout for it for your phone call. All right. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Monte Baldwin. 45 carries, 449 yards, which rounds up to 10 yards a carry. Eight touchdowns. I like, you know, I like that because this is a kid. Again, he told me, he said, he said, I don't know what that number is going to be, but it's going to be a lot. And you know, when you are kind of, you're the feature back, you're the workhorse at this point, you know, you're kind of the guy on offense. Obviously, Connor Ross and the quarterback is important to but their offense runs through Monte Ball. Oh, absolutely. And and Seth Anderson and everybody else over there knows that. They're not shy about it. They know it. 
It's like, I don't care if you know. Yeah. Monte's going to get the ball. And, and um, 20 times a game. The only reason they didn't get a 20 the other night was because of, of the damage he did with 16. But, I mean, he's going to get the ball, and they're probably going to throw it to him. We have coach. So, yeah. Um, we'll get back to that. But do we have hey, Yeah, I'm here. Hey, awesome. Um, hey, how are you now we're doing well. Appreciate you sticking with us and, and sticking through these difficulties and, and glad to see you back in from Harvard. Say that say that last part again. I said we're glad that you got back in from the fire drill. Oh yeah, man. I, I was a little worried that it came out of nowhere on me, man. <laughs> now, at least it was a drill. There's that. That could have been more something like yeah, yeah. Um, Coach, congratulations. Win number one, got it on the road. I know you would have liked to have gotten it a week earlier on the home field, but, you know, what's what's it feel like to have that first one out of the way? Oh, man, um, I think I told somebody it felt like the weight of the world was off my shoulders, man. Just getting that first win under my belt, um, you know, I, we wanted to uh, secure the win our first week, but we wasn't fortunate enough to, to get it done. Uh, we went back to the drawing board and, and, and focused in and practiced the next week and was able to finish with the W. So that was good, man. And, and, I, and I owe it to the kids and the coaches that have been putting in a lot of work uh, during, this, uh, during, the, during the summer, the spring, to get us ready for this point. Coming off of that win, Going through practice this week, obviously you got your walk through today before you take on Hunters Lane at Lindsey Nelson Stadium tomorrow night. But how did practice look different this week coming off of that win, or did it? Um, for me, um, to me, I, I, I go into every week uh, preparing the same. You know, um, I don't think that uh, you, you take anybody lightly or overlook anybody. I, uh, I think you know we. We watch film on certain days. We lift on certain days. Then our um, format during the week of practice is usually the same throughout the week. Up until Thursday, we do, uh, like you said, more of a walkthrough day. So um, we'll swap it up then. But uh, our, our preparation is usually the same. And um, and the deeper we get in the season, you know, um, I expect it to be more, more focused and more intense, man. You know, uh, just because um, – once you get the winning, um, people people start to get buy in. So uh, that's what I look I look forward to seeing. Man. Coach, I had a chance to get out there, and I was I was out there for that game, and we talked after afterwards. And you know, it, it really is, you know, important for for you guys as a, as a unit to get more out of your passing game to maybe open up the running game for Caden McCoy and some of the other guys that you were able to get the ball to, you know, talk a little bit about how important, you know, you know, one pass, one reception is not great, but it went for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. So I guess efficiency is important, but how important is it for you guys mm -hmm. to be able to hit some of those to open that up? Man, uh, it's very important. You know, um, I, I talked with uh, Tice earlier this week, and uh, we just sat down and had a, a talk man-to-man. -man, you know, um, I told him, you know, uh, the team only going to go as far as the quarterback takes us. So that's, that was big for him to know. And um, 
uh, I and I'll give him just do give him a little uh, leeway. Uh, some of the balls that he threw uh, Friday, I think, were catchable balls for some of the guys. We even hold on to them. We dropped some of them. I think two of them would have ended up being a touchdown. Um, and uh, that goes to show, you know, um, it, it's not all on him. Um, sure. I think we could do a better job of, um, of um, you know, guys getting open in their routes and things like that as well. But to, to, the passing game would definitely take a relief off of Caden McCoy. It wouldn't allow teams to just put nine or eight in the box and load it up on us and um, go from there. So that, that, that that's, that's going to play a big part in our success moving forward. And uh, and I talked to the coaches, you know, I, I said, I don't want that to come back and bite us. You know, I think it bit us in the butt uh, the first week of the season. Um, you know, um, when I went back and watched film, you know, guys were open. Um, we just didn't make the right plays at times. So that's, that's what we've been working on that and trying to get that fixed. And, Coach, I would imagine when you've got the receivers that you've got, not just Jordan Davis, but also Justice Haggard mm-hmm. and um, Jamar Morris and some of the other guys that you've got out there mm-hmm. on the edge, it makes it a little more frustrating when you can't hit on some balls in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we have some we have some good guys, you know, who can – when they get the ball in their hand, they can make a play. Um, and, that, and that's kind of some of the stuff I've been stressing to the QBs overall, you know. Um, we're not a one-person team, one-man team. One man don't make us go, you know. Uh, these guys are out here for a reason. We trust them as coaches to make plays. So uh, when they when they open, let's get them an opportunity to make a play. And, and, and for them, I expect them to catch the ball and hold on to it and get upfield with it. Columbia Central, first-year football coach Traderis Goff joining us here on Coach's Corner, presented by From the Heart Cafe over in Chapel Hill. Uh, Coach, as, as Chris mentioned, 27-21, the win over at Dixon County, which included a couple of field goals from Luis Garcia. Um, talk about the confidence that you've got in him to send him in in situations like that and basically put through two field goals that, that were the difference in a six-point win for you. Man, um, I think um, he he gave me the confidence just from talking to him, having conversations, you know, I obviously see what he can do in practice throughout the summer. You know, he was hitting field goals. Uh, the first week against Marshall, I think we had opportunity to get him in, and I and I chose to go for it on fourth. And I think it was about 15, and we missed on it. Um, and um, throughout the school week, that next week, um, he would walk by my classroom. I was like, hey, man, would you have to hit that field goal? And he told me anything from 40 in, I'm good, coach. So in and, and the game on Friday, um, the opportunity presented itself, and, and I threw him out there, and, and he did it. He nailed both of them. So uh, that, that put more confidence in me to, to say, hey, man, it's your time. Go make it happen. So And hopefully he can continue to follow through, you know. And, Coach, at, at this level, from 40 in, I mean, that's a weapon, right? Man, it is. Um I was we was fortunate enough when I was coaching in Mount Pleasant to have a, a weapon as a kicker. Um and so I've seen it firsthand. And and it can win you a lot of games, man. Um I think Coach Stone, uh he preached to the kids earlier this week. Do you know how many games that me and Coach Golf had won by one point? And and that's the difference in the game sometimes. Having a having a field goal kicker who can put the ball in the in the through the through the uprights and get you some points on the board when you when the offense wasn't able to get in and still give you a little momentum to carry over to the next drive. 
Coach, this is the the last non-region game you have before region play starts. You've had basically two practice games. You get another one. I know that you want to win them. But mm-hmm. these are just these are just to tune you up for what really matters, and that is region play with Shelbyville and Lawrence County, Tullahoma, Spring Hill, Franklin County, and Lincoln County. And next week, Shelbyville comes to you. So mm-hmm. – you know, how, how much of, of Friday night will be making sure that you are uh, practicing perfect to get ready for this region play and maybe, maybe not so much worried about winning and losing, but making sure you get things right? Um, well, for me, man, anytime I'm on that field, it's about winning for me. That's, that's just how I was brought up, and that's just how I was coached throughout my life, you know. Uh, uh, so we will take the approach to, to win the game for sure, you know, and, and, and seeing the guys execute and us not do things to shoot ourselves in the foot and, and cause ourselves harm would be a great thing to see uh, this week rolling into region play starting next week. Um, I think we did a great job from week one to week two on – cutting down our penalties as far as that was self-inflicted, as far as um, delay of games, holding in the red zone, going in the score and things like that. So if we can clean it up even more, that would be great to see. And just execution, you know, um, when it's time to make a play, make a play. And that's what it's about for me. Coach, what's the significance of getting an extra home game? This was supposed to be Hunter's Lane's game. They had some – issues with their artificial turf installation and so they're coming to you all tomorrow night instead um playing one more time in front of your fans is is that any big deal this time of year uh for me it's always a big deal we get to step in front of the fans of of mary county you know um, when i played here they was always a big supporter of mine um, we was, when we opened up against Marshall, uh, they, they they came out and supported us as well. So anytime we get to get out in front of the fans and um, get out and play and show them how hard we work and 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 move the needle for the program, it, it's big. You know, like that, sports is a big part of this community. So I, I like I said, I think anytime we're able to get out there in that stadium and play, it's always a big deal. <laughs> Well, we're looking forward to it tomorrow night at Lindsey Nelson Stadium here at Murray County Park. Unfortunately, another year of having to deal with the fair, but <laughs> it is what it is. They tried to schedule uh, all on the road for for the fair, but Ooh. couldn't get around it. So, oh wow, uh, yeah, should be should be interesting. T- parking so, is not going to be fun. Yeah, get there early <laughs> and good luck. Make carpool. You know, <laughs> carpool may be the best option, but we are looking forward to another uh, another great game at Lindsey Nelson Stadium at Murray County Park. And Coach Tredarius Golf here with us on Coach's Corner. Thanks for taking some time with us. We look forward to it and look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay, thank you. I appreciate you all for having me. Thanks, Coach. Tredarius Golf. I did not realize this. Yeah, was, fair weekend. And so. they, you know, they did all they could do. They scheduled a road game. Yeah, because last year it was not easy. It was it was a logistical nightmare for for if nobody else, the sheriff's department who has to deal with all of the parking situation. Yeah. So make sure that you are getting out 
we have we will have to um advise intern to on he to knows get, where to park he knows he knows where to go okay so he's he's, he's got yeah Okay. He's got uh, he's got the intel. Okay. So All right. Cool. We'll give him. Make sure he he we remind him. Remind yes. him. Yep. Um, Tredarius Golf, the MVP on both offense and defense of the 2010 mm-hmm. state championship oh. team for class Columbia five. Central in Class Five A. Yes. So. Yeah. Always good to have Trey D on. And talk a little closer. Always good to talk to him, man. He's so upbeat. He is. He will he will make your day better. There's no question. Yeah. All right. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we've got a hodgepodge of topics to get into. This will be a rapid fire topic situation, but we're not really reacting. But Grant McCauley at the top of the hour, all of that and much more coming your way here on Main Street Sports today. Presented by Mid Tennessee Barn and Joint Stick Around. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Did you know that up to 80% of us will experience back or neck pain during our lifetime? Many of you are offered surgery or addictive pain pills to relieve your chronic pain. At the Dr. Gill's Center for Back, Neck, Chronic Pain Relief, we have been leading the way to better health, naturally, and have helped tens of thousands of people right here in Middle Tennessee for the past 30 years. I came to Dr. Gill about 10 years ago after my local doctors recommended surgery. I knew about Dr. Gill and wanted to see if he could help me. Ten years later, I am pain-free, no surgery, and no pain pills. Surgery is scary, and over 40% of all back surgeries fail, creating a cycle of surgery and pills. There is a safer solution to your chronic pain. Make the call to the Dr. Gill Center for Back Neck Chronic Pain Relief today and get your life back. This office visit is normally $299, but call today and receive your initial consultation, report of finding, for just $49. But hurry, this offer won't last long. Call 615-768-8743. That's 615-768-8743. You can't see the sights without the sounds. From the crack of the bat to the roar of the crowd and everything in between, discover what Hit City has to offer. Spend your nights cheering on the Nashville sounds at First Horizon Park with giveaways, fireworks shows, theme weekends, and more. Single game tickets are on sale now. Visit NashvilleSounds.com to claim your seat today. 
Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Gow, Mo Patton here on this Prep Thursday. We've got some, some topics to, to dive into here real quick. First, on the front page of sports in Main Street Murray this week is a story about local legend Bernard Childress, as he is being honored later this year. Yeah, the Columbia Peace and Justice Initiative here in Columbia is honoring Bernard Childress, the Columbia Central Hall of Famer and um, the Belmont University Hall of Famer and former executive director of the TWSAA. He will be the second recipient of that organization's Legacy Award um, following former Columbia Vice Mayor Krista Martin. So he's he's in some pretty good company, yeah. as is she. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So congrats. So to yeah, that will that will take place during our November first luncheon at the Memorial Building right across the street here. So you if can you probably want, see if I had the camera <laughs> wide enough. So for more information on tickets on that, I'm told that it will be, it's a ticketed event and they will go fast. Tickets understandably please. so, yeah. Um, you can go to the story on the website at MainStreetMurray.com to get the email for ticket information on that event. But, uh, yeah, you know, any honor that Bernard Childress gets is well-deserved just because he's just, he's just such a good dude. Yeah. He absolutely is. Congrats to Bernard and well-deserved. More Bleacher Report. Yeah, where's Blaine? Where's Blaine Which, Keller when you need him? <laughs> Blaine today, but uh, John Overton High School tweeted out yesterday, last night at eight oh five at Overton MNPS. Please be aware that the home bleachers at our football stadium will be closed for the foreseeable future. This includes tomorrow night's game, which is now tonight's game, versus East Nashville. The away bleachers will be open. Fans are encouraged to bring their own lawn chairs to the game tomorrow night, which is tonight. So, take uh, your lawn chairs. Yeah, you know, I'm interested. I'm interested in this mainly because are there are, are there home bleachers not metal? I believe their home bleachers are aluminum bleachers set on, on concrete. concrete. Yep, I'm look. I was trying to look at it on on Google Maps, and that is exactly what it is. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been over there, but um, pretty yeah, well, that's, yeah. That's exactly what it is. So it's aluminum on concrete. That's yeah. why it looks like aluminum from the, the road. As you are dri you driving on 65, yeah. you don't see the concrete. Well, you, you don't get a very good look if you're driving on 65 because you don't get long to look at it. No, no, but you can, <laughs> but you, you can see it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's there. I love them. The backing on the bleachers. That's, 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 that's a great something market. they did about four or five years ago, and, and it's one of those things that it's like, what took them so long? Yep, that's a great know, It's great. It's fantastic um, branding there. So, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so take your lawn chair if you're headed out to Overton. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting situation. Uh, yeah, especially considering you know it's it's a it's a metro game. Yeah, against East Nashville, you know, two-time state finalists in Class Three A. So they, they get there early. Good crowd. Get there early. Mm-hmm. That is the way. Yeah, to do and it. get your get your lawn chairs set up. <laughs> um. Staying in Metro football, former Stratford football coach and Madison football coach, Bobby Leach, passed away on Tuesday. Yeah, um, talking to friend of the show, Joe Campbell, former Stratford standout. He was bringing me up to speed on this earlier today. But um, Coach Leach spent 10 seasons over at Madison before wrapping up his career with six years at Stratford, won 113 games over 16 seasons. And his best season was his last season. <laughs> Went 12 and two in 1991 and took the Spartans to the class AAA state semis. So, yeah. Um, had been in failing health in his life. And, passed away Tuesday. So just wanted to um, send our condolences out to, you know, the, the former Madison high school community, the Stratford high school community and his, um, his friends and family. Um, It's always tough when you hear this kind of thing. So I think there is a service scheduled for this weekend. I don't know if it's Saturday or Sunday. So, you know, be sure and keep an eye out on your, social media platforms and that kind of thing for that. Finally, high school news here. TWSAA and Rutherford County have agreed to a two-year extension on spring fling. Two years? Two years through 2025. So 24 and So this year was, was the last year of the contract, contract here. So they've so 24 and 25 is as far as a, the next two years. That's, that's, that's all right that they only went two years out to me. Yeah, kind of. Uh, like- and I don't, I don't know. Realistically. Where else? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if not here, where? Yeah. No, I, I agree completely. Uh, you know, it was funny because I was, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, what, what if Murray County tried to do it? And obviously they don't have a track. That is the, the number one issue is that there's not a track. But there's also not a lot of soccer fields. I, don't I think, think you could do soccer at, at Ridley, probably. Oh, you probably could. You could do soccer at Ridley. You could probably do softball at Ridley. Heck, you might could do softball better at Ridley, to be honest. The championship games would definitely be better. But... um. Not having a track is huge. Yeah, and, 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 and the DNA Hayes facility is just phenomenal. And, you know, tennis. But soon tennis will be way better here in the next three years. But here's the thing about that. Getting from Columbia to Spring Hill, which is part of the, the draw of having it all in Murfreesboro, is being able to get to it all. 31 is bad enough under normal circumstances. Add spring fling traffic to it for folks trying to get from tennis What's to everything else. Or... 
Trust me, I do it. <laughs> Let me tell you how hard it is to get from tennis to softball. And when I tell you it is difficult, it is difficult. And it's shorter. It's a shorter distance, yeah. but it is very hard. Well, the I mean, memor with, Memorial is awful. The problem with Ridley is there's no easy way to get in there. You've got to get on Trotwood somewhere. Mm -hmm. and there's not a back entrance from 43. Yeah, the that fact that there's you. only one entrance into Ridley is... On Trotwood. That's that's the big issue there. But yeah. soon there will be, as they are building that, that uh, they're building a huge subdivision right there next to Ridley Park, and they will actually have an entrance from... From the subdivision, from 43, which, oh, I'm, I'm sure the subdivision is going to love all that traffic coming through there to Ridley Park. Well, I think it's 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 kind of in between the two, mm -hmm. so it's the big entrance. So you're talking about, I, and look, I, just this is completely not ever going to happen. But I think they could do softball better. I think they could do tennis better. But, but they couldn't do track at all. They couldn't do track at all. So <laughs> track is just sol. And then, um, yeah, baseball. You have plenty of high schools with great facilities. Baseball is spread out. Though. Well, I mean, Seagull, Oakland, Riverdale. Well, I mean, you got CA, you got Central, you got Spring Hill. Those three would be the really, I mean, maybe Zion, but they're not even a member. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Mount that, gets, that gets iffy. Yeah, that, that, that does get iffy. And then, so, so baseball and then where do you play the championship? Battle Creek will be open by then, by the way. Baseball gets iffy. Trek is non-existent. Maybe Battle but, Creek builds a track. But soccer, softball are workable. And tennis, once the USTA, USTA facility gets, huh. I was just, that was just me thinking out loud. I was like, I wonder what, what would happen if Here's the thing. there was an option. Who, who puts that bid together? Yeah, Murray County Visitors Bureau, maybe. That's who does this, is the Murderford County Convention. Yeah. Uh, is, there a Mur is there a Murray County there is. entity? Mm -hmm. They're right but across would, the street. But you would have to get all three cities involved. pretty much involved. Instead of just one. And you would have to get all of the MCPS and, yep. and CA and a lot of moving parts. There would be. And I, 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 but that's this is what proves why Murfreesboro is the best place. Yeah, I mean, is Chattanooga workable? Probably. It but it's for not, years. But it's not central. Uh, it's not a central location. No, no, it's Chattanooga is not a central location. But I mean, you had all of the necessary facilities yes. to do it, and they were in relative proximity to each other. Sure. You know, other than the central location of Murfreesboro, I, 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 I'm still not sure I know why they left Chattanooga, other than location. Yeah, and I think that had a lot to do with it. But, yeah, it, it, just two years, which, I mean. I think Clarksville has shown interest in it in the past. I'm not familiar enough with the different facilities in Clarksville to – Plenty to of gauge how well fields. they got, they got plenty of high schools. Got plenty of high schools. <laughs> when I whether they're fields are in, you know, the shape that Siegel and others yeah. are. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's that's a really good. Clarksville would not be a bad option. I mean, but for it, us it would be worse, but. Would, <laughs> but again, location. Well, it's still mid-state. It's just north instead of south.
It's about just a little bit west. Yeah, maybe Memphis folks would like that better. Memphis folks would probably like that better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, this just goes to prove why it why it works where in it Mer is. where it is. Yeah. So, so I just thought that was an interesting concept. But well, again, I'm, I'm interested that it's only a two year extension. Yes, I think that is. Well, why is it only a two year? Worth extension? mentioning mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, real quick, some college football news, but first, a little congratulations is in order. Oh, absolutely. Um, friend of the show, recent guest, King Ram, Kevin Ingram, set to be inducted into the Hall of Honor at his high school alma mater, Bowling Green High School, the Purples. Ingram. The what? The Purples. They have more than one purple. Big red and the purples. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, the 1989 graduate of Bowling Green High School huh. is going into their high school Congrats. hall of honor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, as, as we, it's, it's kind of ironic that we have two folks being honored that we mentioned during this segment. But again, Kevin's just such a good guy, man. And um, you just like to see good people recognized for that. And yeah, I mean, he's not just a good person. He's great at what he does. And so um, it, that's, I'm, I'm happy for him. Congrats. Cam rising out tonight. Utah. Is it still that knee? Are they being cautious so. with that or is it something else? Or Utah is 21 and one at Rice Eccles, Eccles Stadium mm -hmm. since 2019. Second best record in college football at home tied with Oregon and Georgia. The line on that is moving. Surprise. Uh, the <laughs> over-under is now 44 points. What was it? Uh, 51 and a half. Okay. I, I think I would be inclined to take the under just because I'm not overwhelmed by... <laughs> You know what we hear out of Gainesville regarding Graham Mertz. Mertz, excuse me, no T. I don't know. People don't seem to be terribly impressed with him. <laughs> uh, Utah minus five is the line right now. I think at it's at Utah. At Utah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think this is going to be something. Bryson Barnes will be the quarterback tonight, and. Uh, Barnes is the guy who came in and in that 2021 Rose Bowl against Ohio State to throw that game winning or game tying touchdown with less than two minutes to go, let a great drive. Didn't obviously they didn't win that game, but won his only career start impressive at Washington State last year. As I'm looking at ESPN.com's report on this situation, um, <laughs> uh, so. Anyway, I just, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to think about tonight, but it's going to be fun to watch. There's no question there. And before we get out of here, Justin, do you have the uniforms? That's what I want to know. Do you have the uniforms? Because we need to see them. Give me one second. I got you. All right. So Houston, University of Houston. Houston does not have a problem. 
Houston, well, when are they supposed to wear the? This weekend. It's, okay. So Houston this weekend will be donning some different colors than their normal well, red, some, white, there, and black. There's some red in there. They're just going to add an additional color. The red kind of takes a back seat. A little bit of a back seat because they've decided on a little throwback. The quad striped shoulder, the baby blue with red and white accents. Boy, sure does look a lot like the Tennessee Oilers. A little love you blue. I, I, I love the uniforms. Oh, I think they're phenomenal. They, they and you know what? And I love that. I love that the University of Houston is doing this. <laughs> the University of Houston is telling the Texans, we got y'all. It really, I mean, they are. They're they telling are, the Texan fans, "We got y'all. We know y'all can't do this, right? But we can." They are playing on the emotion of Houston Oilers fans who are already mad at Tennessee for wearing them this year, especially against the Texans. <laughs> you knew that. And this, this is great marketing. Maybe some of the best marketing I've ever seen in college sports. This will fill up their stadium. You'd like to think. Who do they play this weekend? I'm not sure. I didn't look. But, yeah, I, I really feel like this is a well-done well situation. Looks like UTSA. Mm. It'll be Saturday night at 7 o'clock on FS1. Be a good uniform matchup. The blue and orange of oh, UTSA yeah. with this. And this, this, this powder blue. Yeah, this, this will be an all-time uniform matchup. We like to see it. So... <laughs> Anyway, well done, Houston Cougars. Let's take a break. When we come back, Grant McCauley joins us for Braves Chatter, and we'll get you this day in Braves history as well right after this on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Stick around. nothing better than drinking an ice-cold beverage while taking in a Nashville Sounds baseball game. Hi, I'm Stephanie Miller with Mornings on Main Street. The Nashville Sounds and Main Street Media Television have teamed up to promote Sunday Family Fun Day here at First Horizon Park each Sunday home game. Just go to your favorite Main Street Media website and click on Sounds Main Street Media Day banner to register to win free tickets. And then we'll see you here at the ballpark. Tired of hanging lights every year? We get it. That's why Southern Nights is here to help. We install programmable lighting on your home or business so you can enjoy beautiful, customizable lighting all year round. No more ladders, tangled lights, or cold lights outside. We do the work. You do the celebrating. Call Southern Nights today and take the hassle out of holiday lighting forever. For a free quote, give us a call at 931-241-3074 or visit our Facebook page at Southern Nights. You've been putting back a few, and a few becomes a few too many. For a moment, you think about calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. What's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over, your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you total your car, you kill someone. Y'all, I'm serious right now. They have a dragon here. I 
saw it. No, they don't. There's no such thing as dragons. I swear, I saw it. It had huge claws. Get out of here. It had eyes as big as the moon. Come on, I'll show you. Wait up. See that? We're almost there. Whoa! I told you so. That is a dragon. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. August 31st, 1969. Coincidence? We don't think so. Cleet Boyer stepped into the batter's box in the fourth inning of the Braves contest against the visiting Cubs in the throes of a 1-for-17 slump. He was met by the famously well-endowed Morgana, the famous kissing bandit who ran onto the field and kissed him. Duly motivated, Boyer immediately ripped an RBI single to spark an 8-for-15 tear. Unfortunately, Boyer's 3-4-4 effort couldn't prevent an 8-4 Cubs victory. That was this day in Braves history. You know, if we can't get a Braves win, at least... At least we got Morgana. At least we got Morgana. One of the more famous photos, clips in Braves history. Gotta love that. Well, it is time for Braves Chatter, and joining us on Braves Chatter, we have... From 92.9 The Game, Grant McCauley joining us. Grant, how are you? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank so, you for joining us, man. Go ahead. I, I'm curious if, because uh, I've missed, I missed yesterday if, if, you, if you opened any foil packs. Uh, yesterday I opened a 1992 Fleer pack, and I did get a Roger Clemens, but I did not get an autograph. So somewhere out there in the thousands upon thousands, if not millions of packs that were produced, somebody's getting my autograph. I just don't know when. <laughs> well, I always enjoy watching that. I mean, because I'm not a baseball card guy, and I don't, I don't collect them. Never did. But other people collecting them and, and, and knowing a little bit about what they're looking at, I think it's really cool and interesting. So I enjoy watching those videos. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I enjoy opening them up, and I did it as a kid, and now as an adult, I guess once you get into doing what I do, which is watching an awful lot of baseball, it's kind of fun to go back to the roots of where I learned the game, which was, by and large, getting packs of baseball cards. And it used to be on Sundays that they would print all the box scores and the stats for both leagues so I could learn all about the different players that didn't just suit up for the Atlanta Braves. So the baseball cards are a really great connection for me, and I love doing it. <laughs> um, what, the cards have gotten more expensive since you were a kid. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they continue to get more and more expensive, and I'm not sure that the markets uh, accurately reflect the value of the cards. But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Besides the opening of the packs, one of the best things Grant McCauley is doing this year is on his Twitter account, if you follow him, at Grant McCauley, 
he keeps you up to date specifically on the Ronald Acuna Jr. 40-40 watch. And Grant, I'm hoping he gets 30 out of the way real quick tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to see that. It'd be great to make that history right there against the Dodgers. We know this is going to be a tough series, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that. But we got this MVP discussion going on. Is it Ron Lacuna Jr.? Is it Mookie Betts? Is it Freddie Freeman? If Matt Olson goes on another home run tear, where does he finish? I think that's your top four in the National League. But yeah, I mean, he could make some history becoming the first member of the 30-60 club. You think about baseball being around for over 150 years, Major League Baseball, that is. Pretty wild to think that nobody's ever done this. Not Ricky Henderson, not Barry Bonds, not prime Eric Davis of the 1980s, though I think he could have if he'd gotten those extra 33 games in 1987. But whatever the case, Ron Lacuna Jr. seems to be on a date with history, and he might start in a couple of more clubs if he gets this uh, hot streak going here in September, and we'll see if it just starts tonight against Los Angeles to close out the month of August. He and Buki may be in a club by themselves by the end of this yeah. year. They may be, yeah. Um, but before we go heavy into this four-game Dodger series, let's drop back a night. Um, Darius Vines last night came up, and, you know, for a kid making his major league debut at Coors Field, did not seem phased by any of it. No, not at all. I, I feel like if you can get you know five quality innings out of some of the guys they've been calling up with the Braves offense, you got a chance to win a baseball game. But Darius Vines went above and beyond what your you know middle of the road expectations might have been. He tossed six innings of two run ball, only walked one guy, hit one batter, five strikeouts for him, was able to pretty much keep the Rockies lineup, which I know is not the most powerful that it's ever been, but it's a big league lineup, and stranger things have happened and. You know, rookie coming up and getting a little bit shaky in the second or third inning or, you know, having some struggles. We've seen that, of course, in the past. But I thought Darius Vines handled it really well. I thought he mixed his pitches extremely well. He had a four-seam fastball. He was throwing a good cutter and a good slider. He has a changeup that he's used a lot in the minor leagues but did not throw quite as much in his big league debut. So maybe something he's keeping in his back pocket, something he didn't want to get too dependent on and just really able to maybe mix up the Rockies a little bit on the scouting report. But whatever the case, I thought he looked great. We've talked on this show, Grant, Darius was the 16th different starting pitcher the Braves have employed this year. That doesn't seem indicative of a team that is 87 and 45. No, you would not think that the team with the best record in baseball is the one that's having the hardest time filling five spots in a rotation and getting some kind of consistency out of it. But really, after what Spencer Strider, Charlie Morton, and Bryce Elder have been able to give you, you finally got Max Fried back in the mix. Kyle Wright's out on a rehab assignment, but you never really got the starting five that you expected to have way back in spring training, even if you were just trying to find out who number five was going to be. So you've had to use an awful lot of starting pitchers this year, some to varying results, and clearly the heavy lifting being done by just three of those names, and now Freed has made 10 starts on the season. So he's yeah, coming back at, I think, an important time for him. But 16 different starters, the only other time that it happened, of a rebuild and you don't see that too often uh, when you've got a team that's in a rebuild losing 90 something games or a team that could win 100 or more games having to have the same thing go on with their pitching staff but the Braves have weathered it well and the Braves offense is a big reason why they're able to do that well you know and here's the thing you have 16 guys with starting experience over the next month when again it's not necessary for you to 
worry too much about winning and losing at this point. So you may give you you have some guys who can fill some spots to maybe rest those starters going into the postseason. I think what we saw, particularly with Darius Vines coming up on Wednesday, was you get a chance to reset your rotation for some of the big series, like this Dodgers showdown, a four-gamer where you want to be throwing Spencer Strider, Max Fried, Bryce Elder, and Charlie Morton, and they'll go in that order in this four-game set. But, yeah, I mean, Darius Vines may have earned himself yet another start next time around. We'll see how that all shakes out. They've got a few other names you mentioned that have you know some starting experience that could factor into the plan. But I think, really, if you can get Kyle Wright back here in a couple of weeks, that's when everything will really have come into focus for this team. I don't see them letting the, you know, you know, easing off the gas or easing off the throttle until they've clinched the National League East, which could happen in the next couple of weeks as well. Their magic number is 17 at this point. But they also want the best record in baseball or the best record in the National League at the very least so that they're able to have that home field advantage, which clubs very much want when you're running through October. The Dodgers are within four games of that, and that's just part of the stakes with this four-game series they're playing beginning Thursday night and rolling through the weekend. Grant McCauley with 92.9 The Game out of Atlanta joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint as we continue our Braves chatter. Um, Talking about Kyle Wright, uh, made his second rehab start last night for Gwinnett, and um, a lot of people were, you know, on social media a little concerned with the numbers Clearly, it's not about the results. Correct. I don't know, you know how many times that has to be brought up on some of these rehab outings, particularly when your pitch count is going to be in the 30 to 35 range on these first couple of ones. I thought he looked great in Rome, but and I was up there and I got to talk to Kyle after he was done with that, the first rehab start last week. For him, it's all about you know testing out that shoulder, maintaining a good program, you know, getting his pitch count up and getting those, as they call them, up-downs, meaning – can he add some more innings to what he's doing throughout the course of this rehab assignment? That's what they're looking to do. You can basically look at this as his spring training. As long as the velocity is good, the pitches, he's able to mix them up, and he's feeling well and you know, wakes up the next day and you know, has the soreness in the right places, that's what he called it, I think he's going to be pretty happy to go out there, get his work in, come back, and then just jump back in where the Braves can fit him in into their rotational plan and get an idea of what, if anything, he can offer them in October, which I still think is a decent possibility just based on the fact that he had some very important innings in 2021 in relief, but he also was the only Braves starter that won a playoff game a year ago. So he's a guy that, you know, a lot of clubs would like to have somebody like this walking back into their rotational picture in the middle of September. So we'll continue to monitor that, but I would not be too concerned about the numbers that Kyle Wright put up in Gwinnett or against Memphis on the road yesterday. I, I think it's just, you know, it's all about getting your work in and Kyle's being able to do that. Fastball touch 95. I think that's good to see up a couple of ticks from his start in Rome. So just continuing to make progress. Check those boxes. You know, Grant, Chris and I were talking earlier in the week about Kyle Wright and where he might fit in. If you've got the starting four of Free, Strider, Morton, Elder in some order, if Wright goes back to the bullpen for the postseason, might that be the most advantageous for the Braves. I mean, when you've got that kind of weapon lurking, other folks have to be concerned about when you're going to use it. And he's pretty good when you do. Yeah, he is very good. I would just kind of wonder in the five game format, they're not going to need four starting pitchers. And I would doubt that they use it because they can. Clearly, if things go according to plan, they'll only have to play three of those games and they'll advance and move on. 
But when you do get into that seven-game format, I still think if Kyle Wright's healthy and looks you know, like himself in the final what handful of starts he might make before the end of the regular season, I don't know that it's decided that you'd throw Bryce Elder before you throw Kyle Wright in a seven-game series. But to your point, you could use Kyle Wright as a reliever who could throw multiple innings for you if you felt like you needed that, whether that's a five-game or a seven-game series. Colin McHugh has struggled an awful lot. I'm interested to see what his September looks like. They've relied on Michael Tonkin for multiple innings quite a bit this season. But if you had Kyle Wright that you could use for, you know, five, six, seven outs or more if you needed it, because stranger things have happened to starting pitchers over the course of the postseason as well. We saw Charlie Morton break his leg. You know, you you can't really, you know, uh, account for the things that could happen. So having Kyle Wright just in general could be a pretty nice insurance policy, regardless of how the Braves decide they want to use him. You know, it's interesting that because he's not the only pitcher they're getting back. I mean, you expect Dylan Lee and Jesse Chavez back as well to go in that bullpen. So, as you say, Colin McHugh's September, there may not be a September for Colin McHugh. Well, there may not be an October, depending on how his September goes. But for the time being, I mean, and it's certainly possible they're going to have some interesting decisions to make. The roster does expand by two spots starting on September the 1st. Only one of those can be a pitcher. I expect that to be Dylan Lee. Jesse Chavez, meanwhile, I caught up with him uh, on the homestand. He is feeling much better, still trying to get, I think, the full range of motion in his calf, he said, has been a big problem for him. After discovering, after the fact that he did have a micro fracture in his shin, that started to just, at least with the time that it took to get that healed up, give him the assurance of knowing, okay, now at least I know what I was dealing with. Let me go out there and get back to work. So if he goes out on a rehab assignment, I would assume for Chavez, it would be three, four, maybe five appearances because it's been since the middle of June since he's pitched. So the Jesse Chavez return, I would probably earmark for mid to late September, but you can't rule him out of the Braves' plans heading into October. He was one of their most useful and effective relievers in the first half. It's just a real shame that Jesse took that liner off the inside of the shin back in the middle of June and his whole season. And as a 40-year-old, you know, your whole career goes into question when you have to miss this kind of time in a season. So I know he's excited to get back, and hopefully the Braves will have these kind of decisions to make where you've just got too much of a good thing and you can never have too much pitching. So maybe I just contradicted myself, but either way, they've got some depth and they've got it at an important time. Grant, one last question before we turn our attention to these next four games. Were you surprised to see Rizal Iglesias last night in a non-save situation after he had worked the ninth Tuesday night? Not particularly, and I'll tell you the only reason why is, and I know this is not the best Rockies team that we've ever seen, but in Coors Field, a save situation can be four runs, it could be five runs, it could be six runs. We've just seen weirder things go on in that ballpark, and once Kirby Yates kind of started to get into some trouble there in the eighth inning, I think that Brian Snitker may have recognized, and this is kind of my thinking along with it is, want to make sure we close out this win in Colorado, because the last thing you want is to have a weird meltdown in the late innings and then have to travel to L.A. coming off that kind of downer and losing a game that you very much had in the pocket before, you know, if something were to go wrong in the ninth. So I feel like using Iglesias there was as much of a form of of function for closing out that game and also just kind of a tip of the cap to the ballpark where a lot of weird things have happened over the years and you just don't want to take any chances. So I think if Iglesias is down or unavailable or throws Thursday night and is maybe unavailable Friday, you're still, you weren't going to be able to throw Iglesias in all four games against the Dodgers regardless. So maybe this is just kind of managing. He could throw three in a row, then give him a day. He could throw the next two so that there was going to be a day where you were not going to be able to throw Iglesias in the next four. 
And I think you just want to make sure you got out of Colorado with that sweep and with that win to have the momentum heading into Los Angeles. I guess there's something to be said for winning the game that's right there in front of you. So, yeah. Okay. All right. I, I can live with that. I mean, there's a pretty good chance he's down either tonight or tomorrow, but you got the sweep. So yeah. that's fair enough. And that, and, and, and that ensures a five and five road trip, no matter what, now, obviously getting swept by the Dodgers makes five and five look pretty a lot rough. worse than the other way around, well, but, and, you know. And, again, when, when this road trip started, we had said we'd take six and four. Of course, we didn't expect to be five and one to start. Mm-hmm. And so sure. all of a sudden, uh, I, don't, I don't know that I can really stomach six and four. Yeah. But, um, I get greedy. <laughs> <laughs> um, where, where does this series lie, do you think? Well, I think the Braves' offense is going to have a lot to say about it. But uh, on the flip side of that coin, the Dodgers' offense could have a lot to say about it as well. It's going to be fascinating to see the battle between Ronald Acuna Jr. and Mookie Betts, who are kind of the straws that are stirring the respective drinks for these two teams. But they're not alone. Freddie Freeman's having a career year out in Los Angeles, just another outstanding season. But then you look down the Braves' lineup, it's the deepest and the best in baseball and the most productive in baseball. And it, it is that way because one through nine, you really just don't have a place to go to try to navigate and get outs when you're dealing with the Atlanta Braves. So I think the offense first and foremost for the Braves is important, but it was great to see the starting staff really start to find its footing over the last two weeks after that really bumpy week, right around and just after the trade deadline, you kind of had the feeling that, well, Spencer Strider, Charlie Morton, Bryce Elder, Max Fried, all of these guys that had one or two bad starts. And for Elder, I know it was kind of an alternating thing, And for Charlie, it was a string of, I think, four really rough starts for him. It had to get better at some point, and it has, in fact, gotten a lot better. So knowing that you've got those guys pitching well heading into Los Angeles, you're able to set the rotation the way that you want to. It kind of feels like a bit of a playoff preview, particularly given the history between these two clubs, meeting three of the last five Octobers. This is just one of those moments, I think, over the course of 162, particularly with October ahead where we just get a little bit of an idea about how the Braves will match up with some of the tougher teams they're going to see come October. And they couldn't have lined up this rotation any better. I think the bullpen is a lot better than it's been given credit for. And if you look at the overall numbers, I think the best bullpen ERA in baseball or number two at the very worst is a pretty good indicator that these guys are getting the job done. So pretty much everything is clicking for the Braves at the moment. And they're going to need a lot of it to click to beat a team like the Dodgers and take three out of four in that series. Yeah, Lance Lynn goes tonight for the Dodgers. Probably the worst of their starters, if it, it you know, overall. But with a five-five-six ERA, walking one point four, uh, or walking, his WHIP is one point three eight. So yeah, this is this is a team. And Lance Lynn, by the way, gives up a lot of home runs. And this is not the team you want to play if you're a home run giving up pitcher. So no. as they as they set a franchise record in August. Last night with 250 home runs on the year in August. I, that, that's insane. But this, it, because you're facing Lance Lynn and you've got your Cy Young candidate on the bump for you, this is a feels like a must-win game in this series. Yeah, I think every game is probably going to feel that way, but you love to take the opener so that just going forward, you can go ahead and erase the possibility of being swept in a series that you do not want to get swept in if you're the Braves. And also, I think that as you look at Lance Lynn, it's important to see how he's pitched with the Dodgers, which is a night and day difference from how he was throwing with the White Sox with a six plus ERA. He's still giving up some home runs, but 
It looks like mostly solo shots, though the Braves could change that or just hit a bunch of solo shots. They did face Lance Lynn a little bit earlier, uh, just after the All-Star break when the Chicago White Sox were in town. Uh, He did not have as bad a starts as some of the other guys in that rotation did, but the Braves have seen him not too long ago. Maybe that'll help him out with being familiar with what he does. Uh, you know, and as a veteran pitcher, I'm imagining he hasn't completely changed his stripes, even if he's changed uniforms. But uh, four wins and five starts for the Dodgers, ERA just over two, a far cry from what he was doing with the White Sox. But just going forward in that series, once you have Spencer Strider going, then Max Fried in game two, Bryce Elder will get that test in game three. And Charlie Morton has been pitching great, has the opportunity to close it out. And I believe that could be against Clayton Kershaw, depending on how the Dodgers have lined up their rotation. So this could be a very, very interesting series between these two clubs as they're both pitching about as well as they have at any point this season. And clearly when you look at Mookie Betts, who has a month of numbers that basically look like a slow pitch softball season, it's going to be very interesting to see what Ronald Acuna Jr. does in this head-to-head MVP showdown between these two guys. Well, it's a lot easier to pitch when you have the Dodgers lineup versus the White Sox lineup. You don't feel near as much pressure. Oh, yeah. Feel like you have to throw a perfect game every time you go out, certainly. So, yeah. Um, Graham McCauley with 92.9 the game out of Atlanta joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Grant, as you talk about this offense, and it's a phrase that we've used often, we probably used it the last time you were on here. You just don't have anywhere to go in this lineup. Mm-hmm. And if you thought you did, last night's three home runs came from the six, seven, and eight spot. Yeah, and the Braves, seven, eight, and nine hitters this year, to go back to another stat that I've you know kind of been tracking and been hearing a lot more lately, you know, the bottom third of the Braves order is the most productive in baseball, and I think the feature bat there is the best ninth place hitter I think I've ever seen in Michael Harris the second, who continues to do such an excellent job of just turning this lineup over, creating threats, and then bringing up the Ron Lacuna Jr., Ozzie Albies, Austin Riley, and Matt Olson bomb squad that can certainly put up a crooked number at the drop of a hat. So, yeah, you don't have places to go. Uh, Marcelo Zuna is now a 30-homer guy. The Braves have three of those, could have two more by the end of this road trip. Acuna and Albies are both extremely close to getting back to the 30-homer club. We talked about Ronald a little bit earlier. 30-homer, 60 steals would be fun to see. Make a little bit of history to start off the series. But Ozzy Albies is two homers away from his career high, and you can't really rule out you know, what some other guys in this lineup could do power-wise. Eddie Rosario certainly shown a flair for the dramatic against the Dodgers in the past. And then Sean Murphy appears to be kind of emerging from what was a bit of a second-half skid. Then you deal with Orlando Arcia, who's capable of taking you out of the ballpark. There just really is no place to go. And I've asked pitchers about this. How do you approach this lineup? Who do you not let beat you? And the answer is, well, Ronald Acuna Jr. Within the answer is also Matt Olson. And then after that, the answer is Austin Riley and then Ozzy Albies and so on and so forth. And then as you try to game plan for those four guys, Marcelo Zuna is having an absolute career renaissance and Eddie Rosario is hot as a firecracker. So it's very difficult to deal with this Braves lineup. And you don't even get a break when Sean Murphy comes out of the lineup because Travis Donar can hurt you as well. Yeah, I mean, and Travis has been even with, you know, limited playing time this year. He dealt with a concussion earlier and obviously not starting as much as he was a season ago. He's still, he'll grind out these 10, 12, 14 pitch at bats in the series against the Giants, capable of uh, you know, taking you out of the yard. The extra base hits are there. He needs one more homer to become, I believe, the 10th different Brave to reach double digit homers. Kevin Pillar gets an odd start and he can take you out of the ballpark and make a great play in left field. I mean, the Braves are just a very well constructed offense. They've got a couple of pieces they can change out, specifically in Darno and Pillar, but otherwise, you pretty much know who you're expecting to see in there. 
They love being in there every day, want to play all 162. And I think that's a big part of the Braves' success. And some of those guys that I've talked to about it, Austin Riley in particular, they just feel like being out there is the place that they're supposed to be. If they need a day, they'll ask for one. But most of the time, I don't think any of these guys are looking for too many days off. And in today's game, you have a few more off days built into the schedule. And I think that's something that helps when you look to play 162 the way some of these guys are. You know, when you're Bud Black and the Colorado Rockies and you look at last night's lineup and you see Kevin Pillar in there and you think, okay, maybe there. And then mm-hmm. he takes your yard and you're like, you, you got to just throw up your hands <laughs> so at that what point, right? It's like, what? what? Again, <laughs> and that's, that's the story of the Braves lineup in a nutshell right there in 2023. And three more homers last night, as you mentioned, the franchise record. They've got a month left to add to that. The Minnesota Twins of 2019 hold the all-time single-season MLB record, 307 home runs. The 2023 Braves are on pace for 307 home runs. So this should be a fascinating final 30 games. Can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. And this weekend is going to be insane. Listen, it's week one of college football. It's Braves and Dodgers. The good thing is Braves and Dodgers will be after most of the football games. So you'll get a chance. Except Pac-12 at night after dark. Yeah. Pac-X after dark. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, fantastic weekend of sports and I'm looking forward to it. Grant, thanks so much for taking time with us and talking a little bit of Braves. We, we always enjoy our visits with you and we look forward to talking with you again soon, man. Absolutely guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks Grant. Let's take a break. We get back into high school sports, high school football, pick them. We'll pick five. We'll take a break. We'll pick five more, but come back with us. Main street sports Station presented by mid Tennessee bone and joint in the Lee company studio in just a moment. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. You can't see the sights without the sounds. From the crack of the bat to the roar of the crowd and everything in between, discover what Hit City has to offer. Spend your nights cheering on the Nashville sounds at First Horizon Park with giveaways, fireworks shows, theme weekends, and more. Single game tickets are on sale now. Visit NashvilleSounds.com to claim your seat today. 
Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yell, Mo Patton. It's Prep Thursday, and we are prepping you for prep sports. Yeah, that wasn't great. We'll take it, though. <laughs> it's, it's Prep Thursday because we're getting prepped. We're not, getting not because prepped. of high school sports. But, yeah, we are, in fact, getting prepped, and we're going to – Pick 10 of the biggest games from across the Main Street Preps footprint coverage area footprint. and Yeah, there's still a footprint in high schools as opposed to college. I would just like to point out that, yes, your game does matter. And, and, and while we're only picking 10, we do pick all of Murray County's games. And <laughs> other teams. I mean, I, I saw that. Yeah. From Chris a competitor, six one five press. Well, I, I they mean, do a great job. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I really don't consider Chris and those guys to be competitors. They they are really complimentary of what uh, in in what we do. We do a little more print writing. They do a lot of great video stuff and 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 they you know, they pick every game. Every look. Which kudos to them. Absolutely. I ain't picking 56 games. Well, I mean. I just don't know enough about. I, I, I don't feel real, real comfortable picking I don't feel comfortable Red Bull and Springs and Clay County, for instance. I don't feel comfortable picking these 10. Yeah. So, but yeah. I'm, I'm much better at 11 and 3 in, in Murray County and our area. Yeah. Yeah. These, these, these 10 tend to be a challenge. As my, my as friend, our records yeah. indicate, <laughs> our eleven and nine tied because I went three and seven last week yeah. after going eight and two to open the year. What the heck? Oh, it's yeah. Anyway, anyway, let's get into it. We'll start with. Do we have a Thursday game? We don't have a Thursday game, so we'll start with Ravenwood and Blackman. That is Friday at seven, and you know. Blackman, big, big win in week one, wasn't it? No, they, they lost, lost to Brentwood in week that's one. That's right. And then they lost last week to Stewart's Creek, right? So Blackman's 0-2. Yes, okay. I couldn't remember. Yeah, Blackman is 0-2 after losing to Brentwood and Stewart's Creek. Ravenwood is 1-1 one one after losing to Alcoa and beating Cane Ridge which is now 0-2. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is this is a really interesting game. Although I think Ravenwood has the upper hand in this one. Um, I think this Blackman team is rebuilding under first-year coach Matt Kreisky, former Centennial coach. I think um, they lost a lot of talent from last year's team. Uh, somebody signed with Cal. Somebody signed with Mississippi State. I mean, they, they sent a bunch of guys on. So, I mean, they didn't just lose seniors, but they lost talented seniors. And I don't want to say that the cupboard was bare necessarily, but I think there's been a little bit of a drop-off. And uh, I think Ravenwood gets it done here on the road. Yeah, I've got Ravenwood in this one, and <laughs> we have the same score. Yeah, we do. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Would not have guessed. Great minds, huh? Sometimes, mm -hmm. minds in general. Mm -hmm. A game that we've already picked, and you can see, you can see our pick later tonight. Later, but uh, Columbia Academy at Friendship Christian. This is a seven thirty kick, mm -hmm. so be mindful of that if you're heading out to uh, to see this one. And the Main Street Preps contingency, not much faith in the Bulldogs. I don't know that it's a lack of faith in the Bulldogs as much as it is as it is easy for me to say an abundance of faith in the defending Division Two A state champ Commanders. Yeah, you know I think this is going to be a really really close game. I I, I mean I'm seeing. Yeah. No, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. No, I don't think it's that. I think. I think Columbia Academy has enough offense and enough offensive versatility that they can keep it close or make it close. I think friendship wins it, but I don't think it's double digits. Yeah, you know, I, I think friendship Christian wins too. I've got, a, I got a, maybe four points. You've got three, actually. Maybe three, okay. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I just feel like you're you're exactly right. They have the offense to take to take this one into the fourth quarter, and I think they will. Monte Baldwin, we've talked a lot about on this show today. Just feels like a a really strong uh, piece of offense, but don't count out the the Connor Ross and. Connor Rawson, one, has not run the ball a whole lot in these first two games. I think you may see more of that. I think, two, you know, C.J. Duro did not dress last week against Webb. I don't know what his situation was, but he showed up in the um, preseason finale against Spring Hill as a guy that can make plays in the passing game away from Harrison Brownlee. And, you know, with Kay Jackson as well, I think they've got some pieces in the passing game that they've not really exploited through the first two games. I think you may see a little bit more of that. What are we doing? Sorry, that was uh, autoplay. Harrison Brownlee, 119 <laughs> yards a game receiving. Mm -hmm. So – yeah, he, he can certainly make you pay. And if, if they've got a if they got a number two out there, watch mm -hmm. out. Yeah. 
Mount Juliet at Gallatin. This is this is an interesting game because you know Gallatin has has obviously struggled a little more than in historically speaking recently, but they're still really talented football team. Well, Gallatin's got a new coach for one thing. There's that, and. I think Gallatin lost to Hendersonville in their opener. They did. Against Hendersonville. But they bounced, bounced back last bounced week. Bounced back with a win over Station Camp last right. week, I believe. Because I had picked Station Camp, I remember. Yeah. 42-39 the score. Mm-hmm. But. Hendersonville, what? I'm sorry. Um, isn't it? Yeah, they, they lost yeah. to Hendersonville 47 Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mount Juliet's off to a 2-0 and start, having defeated – Cane Ridge on Thursday night in week one, and then a big win over Hunter's Lane last week, 56-12. Yeah, you know, I've got Mount Julian in this because Trey Perry's going to Trey Perry, I feel like, and, and and he's got that team in midseason form, it feels like, already with that mm-hmm. 56-12 win over Hunter's Lane. So I, I've got Mount Julian in this one, but, you know, Galton's a really good football team. So. I have Mount Juliet in this one as well. This is a rivalry that goes back <laughs> to when I was in high school, actually, when Mount Juliet, Gallatin, Hendersonville, Franklin, Smyrna, and I do not remember the 16, were in District 9 AAA, and it was a, it was a dogfight every night, basically. But um, – I think Mount Juliet is just a little bit stronger offensively here. Just a little bit stronger offensively. I've got Mount Juliet by a touchdown. Once again, we have to call out Wade Mm -hmm. Neely. Faithful at Giles County. Wade Neely, once again, weekly not Mm. picking this Mm. one. Look, man, just, just, just say it. Just pick and take the heat, man. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying not to upset somebody, they're going to be upset anyway. And you're going to do something to upset them. So. You've upset us. Yeah. Well, I guess he'd rather upset us than yes. him. Than everybody in Giles County. That being said. I'm not sure what his issue is this week. Because I think the host Bobcats take care of business Against Fayetteville. Fayetteville's off to a rough start. Aren't they 0-2? They are, in fact, 0-2, which is not typical. It's not typical. It's not what they expected, I don't believe. Nor now, Jones, they're pointing out. also 0-2, but. Yeah, but Giles County's 0-2 is a 35-34 overtime loss to Page and a 34-28 loss at Hardin County. Hardin County is 4A. Page is 5A, back-to-back state finalists in 5A. Dallas County is 3A. It's true. So, And, and same goes for um, – same goes for Fayetteville. They played 4A Upperman and got beat 26-0. Now, they did play Moore County last week on the road, and it was a 34-14 win for Moore County. I don't know if you've seen – Fayetteville's schedule is rough. Yeah, six straight road games to open the season before they finish with four at home against Sequatchie, Nashville Christian, No Picnic, Cascade, and Forest. That's a that's a wild schedule. I've that never seen is. that. I've never seen that. 
they do not play at home until the final weekend in September. <laughs> wow. But yeah, I, I want that's literally homecoming, isn't it? Yeah, at this point, it's just you might as well just goodness gracious. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Giles County in this one. I think they take care of business. It just really they, they've got a a really interesting set of backs with uh, is it Johnson is the quarterback. I can't. I no, can't Jackson Johnny Jackson, Jackson uh, Jr. moved in from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Stop me if you've heard this before. A quarterback moving in from Alabama to Giles County that never happens. <laughs> well, it's so close to right there, you know. <laughs> and so I've got – and Fayetteville clearly – Fayetteville was a nice quarterback. They, um, they've got a lot of great athletes. They, they've been really good mm-hmm. in Class 1A over the last – Samuel Willoughby, I think, is the quarterback. He's an underclassman. He's a – I think he's a two-sport guy. Plays basketball as well, but I think football is his bread and butter. So, yeah, I mean, Fayetteville's got a lot of athletes, and I'm, I was shocked at that Moore County score. I mean, I'm not necessarily shocked that Moore County won the game, I'm just, but, but it, was, it was pretty well handily. Mm-hmm. And that's not something we've, we've been used to seeing Fayetteville. 34 to 14. Yeah, it, it's, it's not something we're used to seeing Fayetteville uh, take on the chin like that. So Fayetteville is up to 2A this year. Oh, that's and, right, they are. And – this may not have been the best time for them to go up. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. We both got Giles County there. Brentwood at Hendersonville. Until Brentwood loses, I'm picking them. I'm with you, uh, Because man. that win over Brentwood Academy last week really kind of changed my perception of them. Did not expect them to win that ball game. Had Clint Finch on last Thursday on Coach's Corner, and he wasn't necessarily confident or or overly confident, but he was very resolute in the fact that, you know, I like my team and I like our chances. And they went out and did it, and Baylor Hayes went out and, if not out-dueled, certainly played even with, you know, highly touted B.A. quarterback George McIntyre. And this is a good Hendersonville team, but I like the Bruins here. Yeah, I'm with you. Until they lose, I'm I'm riding. I'm yep. riding with the Bruins. And, 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 again, they've got a – Hendersonville is really good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Hendersonville is going to play really well in this game, but Brentwood is the team to beat right now for me. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll pick the remaining five, including our game of the week this week, which is Beach at Riverdale. So stick around. Main Street Sports Today is presented by Mid-Tennessee Barn and Joint. We'll be back after this. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. She's on Thinking Out Loud, presented by Regions, and out of pocket with Alyssa Lang. It is, in fact, Alyssa, Alyssa Lang. I'm a little nervous. I'm going to lower the bar for guests now. Oh, no. I'm like, apologies in advance. It sounds like CC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Got that radio voice. I know. It's a good sound. I I miss radio too. (laughs) As do we. And then here's the other thing. You guys 
you're spot on with the name. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. So, And we reach every Main Street in Middle Tennessee, Coach? Yeah, that's it. So Perfect. when you are on Main Street and you are moving... You gotta love it. Like you're moving... I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad like, someone... Okay. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, we are picking high school sports, and that's what we're going to continue to do here. And we'll go Stewart's Creek at Hillsboro. Stewart's Creek, like we said, defeated Blackman last week. I think they opened with a win over Tullahoma. So they've gotten off to a great start. And I think probably just from a number standpoint, I think at some point they're probably going to wear on Hillsboro. So I, I think the Red Hawks get this one. Once again, the autoplay. Um, you know, trying to trying doing to too a, much over there, big try, guy. Well, I'm trying to be a little bit, you know, semi-prepared for these conversations and. <laughs> Max Preps not letting me be great. <laughs> I've got the Burrows in this one, and, and you may be right. Uh, but, um, but yeah, this is, you know, Hillsboro is just one of those teams that over the years, they, they have always been really, really good, fundamentally mm -hmm. sound, and this is going to be a really good football game. I got, a, I got a really close, but I'm going with the Burrows. I think, you know, Hillsboro – Plays in a really tough region. It's it's kind of a new region. Region 65A includes them, Page, Nolansville, and Centennial, along with Glencliff and James Lawson. Um, so it's kind of top heavy, and I'm I'm interested to see where Hillsborough winds up in that region. They've gotten off their two and zero as well, defeating McGavick forty to seven and Overton forty nine to seven. I think. Um, this is going to be a step up in competition for them. So uh, I, I like the I like the Red Hawks again. Centennial at Independence, and unlike some people, despite that I'm covering the game, I still picked it. <laughs> throwing shots at Wade. Here. Oh goodness! Uh, now, uh, you know, and, and this is an interesting game because we talked about this, and again, you can hear us talk a little bit more about it tonight on the Main Street Murray. Uh, football preview show at 6.30-ish. Um, Centennial just has a plethora of great backs. Mm -hmm. And I went back and forth on this game so much. Really? I mean, I, I was sitting there going, okay, but Independence really just, they, they proved to me that they, you know, they can win against a really – Solid opponent in Page. This game's at home. Uh, you know, but I just couldn't quite go Indy in this. Uh, this is a tough one, but I had to go Centennial, and I did it real close, 34-31. It wasn't as tough for me. I don't know why. No, no, no disrespect to Independence because they really showed me a lot of resilience in bouncing back from a 17 nothing halftime deficit to defeat Page last week in triple overtime. 
But I feel like for whatever reason, I think Paige may kind of have a, a metal block about independence because this is that was the third straight time they've lost to Indy. And again, not taking anything away from independence, I just think it might have been at least as much Paige as it was independence in that game last week. I don't think Centennial, especially with a new coach, has any such um, predispositions and they're throwing up points. They scored 34 against Franklin two weeks ago. They scored 42 last week against Summit. I think they're going to score. Um, and I'm not sure Indy can score with them. So I've got Centennial in this ball guy. The Battle of Franklin, speaking of Paige. No, the Battle of Franklin is Centennial and Franklin. This is just a game between two Williamson County teams. Mm-hmm. They I are, mean, I know it's not called that. They are the two oldest, or they're two of the three oldest high schools in Williamson County, Franklin and Page. This is a game that didn't get played for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's back, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It is. You're right. Franklin at Page, Friday at 7. Of course, the last time Franklin was at Page before, I guess, two years ago. Didn't quite look like it does now. No. <laughs> and, no, not and at all. So th this is, this is going to be a really interesting ball game because Franklin is, is struggling over the last couple of years. And, 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 you know, obviously this is a rivalry, even if it didn't get played. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like when the Iron Bowl was gone for those, like, 30 or something years. Mm -hmm. You don't think that Paige particularly wants to win this thing? And and that's the thing. I think it may mean more. I think this is a game that will mean more to Paige than it does to Franklin. I think Franklin just wants to win a game right now. To be honest, every game is important to Franklin but, at this point. Yeah. yeah so, but I, I like Paige in this one. Um, I do too. And I hate that because I'm a big Alex Melton fan. Absolutely. And, and, and well, but I mean, big Charles Rathbone fan for that matter. In case you didn't know, I'm a Franklin grad. Yeah. So, I mean, it, and it's kind of tough to see them where they are right now. But, yeah, I think Paige gets this one. Also, we have the same score. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did, I swear I didn't lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you say. <laughs> I know I picked before you, so. You did. You mm -hmm. did. Waverly at Mount Pleasant. This is, again, a game that we'll be paying close attention to. And we'll be talking more about it on our preview show later this evening, so be sure and check that out. This one's going to have huge region implications. No doubt. Um, these are, I think, expected to be two of the top teams in Region 5-2A, uh, Mount Pleasant won the region championship a year ago. Waverly won their region championship. They weren't in the same region. So, and, and as we mentioned again on the show later tonight, um, Stanfield is the running back. Bryce. Yes, Bryce. Bryce Stanfield. Bryce. Bryce. 367 rushing yards last week against Fairview. That's a lot. 367. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about Monte Baldwin having 256, this guy had another 100. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, kids so, going to be great. And, and, me, and meanwhile, Mount Pleasant, 
not great numbers to start with, and they've got a couple of guys banged up. One's out for the year. Um, this is not a good time for this game for Mount Pleasant, I don't think. You know, and this happened last year with Demarcus Brown going out for, for Mount Pleasant, and, and it proved to be a, you know, a big loss for them in the passing game. Keevan Cooper wasn't, hadn't been much of an offensive presence over the last couple of years, had kind of transitioned into playing a little bit of offense at least, and he gives you a, another deep threat on top of Darian Mesa. But, of course, what he gives you in the kick return game is just as important. Mm-hmm. And, unfortunately, he's not going to be there the rest of the year. So this is, And, of course, you know, if, if McClure is not back on Friday, that's going to play a big part in this. Here's the thing. I think Mount Pleasant's front seven – has enough firepower to play well, but I don't know that they can do it for 48 minutes. And so I'm going to go with Waverly here, but I, I think it's high scoring. I think I think both teams are going to hit some big plays. And I'm going to go 45-42 Waverly. I'm going 42-30 just because I don't know if Mount Pleasant is going to be able to sustain drives with their running game. So they're going to have to hit some big plays. And it's not that they don't have the ability, but uh, I think Waverly comfortably wins this one. And now the Main Street Preps game of the week as you take a look at the Beach Buccaneers and the Riverdale Warriors at Riverdale. So luckily you won't have to worry about uh, bleachers <laughs> should be a really good a really good game. Um, Both these teams lost road games last week. Riverdale twenty one twenty up at Henry County Beach twenty eight twenty one out at Collierville. That's a tough one. Collierville's and that's a trip too. Right. Caden Powell leading this beach team. And, and I think that that's, you know, that's a name that will be said a lot more throughout mm-hmm. the rest of this year. And, of course, they've got Shelton Swafford in the backfield. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of where Beach is going to make its hay is in the, the run game. But I think Riverdale just has a little bit extra this week. So I'm going to go with the Warriors here. I'm going with the Warriors as well. You know, we talked about – um, big playability in that Waverly Mount Pleasant game, and I think Riverdale probably just has a little bit more juice than Beach does as far as that goes. I think um, Riverdale can kind of get a few more edges and make some things happen on the outside, and that's that's kind of the basis for me taking the Warriors in this one. Yeah, you know, it, as much as I would love to to take Beach in this one, I just – I feel like Riverdale has – they're a little more familiar with their surroundings, Beach with a new coach, new quarterback, a lot kind of going into – Not a new coach. I'm sorry. Just a new quarterback. New quarterback. Yeah. And I don't know. I guess I was thinking Gallatin. I'm not sure. Anyway, <laughs> I just feel like they, there's, a little, there's a little bit more familiarity with their surroundings, so I'm going to go with the Warriors. That's going to do it for Prep Thursday here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Vaughn and Joint. We'll be back tomorrow with college – football, a little reaction from tonight, preview for the weekend. Look forward to seeing you guys then. Have a good one.